Hi, welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschool kids. I absolutely love young moms, and it's my privilege and my passion to share with you tips and tools to make your journey easier. Things that I've done right, things that I've done wrong over my 37 years of homeschooling. So, do you ever feel like life's piling up on you faster than you can keep up with? There's too much to do and not enough hours or, more importantly, energy to get it done. I know you do, because I've been there. You know, we all feel overwhelmed so often and in different seasons of our life. But as it always does, God's Word has the answers. I read recently this little book called Life Management for Busy Women, by Elizabeth George, and that's what I'm going to base this podcast on. However, I'm going to embellish it and tell things that I did to implement principles that she talks about on a practical, everyday basis. What works, you know, with your kids. I love what she says as a goal for her book. She says that we re- may remember that we live one, we live life one day at a time, yet. We are living for eternity in that one day. Listen to that again. That we may remember that we live life one day at a time, yet we are living for eternity in that one day. It reminds me of one of my very favorite verses of scripture that's helped to guide me through life and and through raising my 14 kids and homeschooling them. Psalm 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you, God, a heart of wisdom. That kept me on track so often. You know, not to get bogged down in the humdrum of daily responsibilities, the changing the multiple diapers, the cleaning up the messes, um, the laundry, whoo, laundry for 14 kids, you can imagine, fixing the meals, teaching school, You know, you tend to focus on those things that you're having to deal with and you forget that we are living for eternity. And what an awesome privilege it is to be able to raise our kids to serve the living God. And that's what it's all about. But we need to remind ourselves about that often because it's just too easy to get bogged down, maybe feel sorry for ourselves or just feel so overwhelmed and tired that we can't think straight. So remember that when we talk about life management, it's really spiritual life management. There are a handful, just a handful of daily disciplines that can ignite in us a passion for the Lord and equip us to help live out His plan for us that one day at a time. As I've said on other podcasts, God's Word addresses any need we have in our life at any given time. This is what we trained our kids, that God's Word has the answers for any problem they will face. And I believe that with all my heart. It's true. Scripture is meant to be practical and to guide us in whatever we're struggling with at the time. I love this admonition. If you're feeling impatient, sit down and read the book of Job. Think of all that he went through and the patience that he had to endure what he went through. And, and, you know, he never knew why. You know, sometimes we have an inkling of why we're going through something he didn't. If you're strong-headed, read of Moses and of Peter. If you're weak-kneed, look to Elijah when he was being hunted by Jezebel. If there's no song in your heart, read the Psalms. Listen to David. You know, I, for years, have read five Psalms a day. 
And it said that every human emotion is found in the book of Psalms with the answer for dealing with that emotion. I love the book of Psalms. If you're feeling down, discouraged, overwhelmed, it's there in the Psalms. If you're concerned about politics and the state of our world, read Daniel. It gives us hope. If your heart's chilly, just read of the beloved disciple John. If your faith is low, read of Paul. If you're getting lazy, read James. If you're losing sight of the future, read in Revelation of the Promised Land. I could go on, but God's word addresses joy and sorrow, health and sickness, poverty and riches, anything you might be experiencing. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. So God's word teaches us and it grounds us in doctrine, theology, and truth. Make sure that you find a church that's, that's grounded in doctrine so that it's feeding you the truth from week to week. And if you absolutely don't have one, find the resources to feed yourself in, in true doctrine theology. God's word reproves us. It speaks to our heart and it points out sin that we need to repent of. You know, it's, it's not saying um, the new year's here. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to do right. I'm going to stop being angry. I'm going to stop being grumpy. We can't do it on our own. It is only the word of God that brings about change of our sinful hearts. We need to remember that. We need to feed ourselves truths from the word of God. And that's what will bring about change. When we get it in our head, it works down into our heart. And then we see change in our lives. God's word corrects us and instructs us. It builds us up and it sets us on the correct path. You know, we are told in scripture not only to put off sin, but we're to put on the opposite, the godly way. So we put off the bad, we put on the good. God's word equips us. It helps us to serve God. You know, we don't have anything to serve God on our own. God's word equips us. It guides us. It gives us light for our path, how to avoid the wrong path, and it shows us the right way. You know, the more we fill our mind with truth, the more we are going to be able to discern error more quickly and easily. So fill your mind with truth. Fill your kids' minds with truth. Fill your family's minds with truth. And they're going to be more sensitive. You're going to be more sensitive to the wrong. It cheers us. God's word is our joy, even when circumstances are not cheerful. I think of the period when my son Josh had leukemia and went to heaven. He was 17 years old. You know, there was a joy in my heart because there was, I could rest in the fact that this was something beyond what I could control. God has this. And I believe that God is good and God's going to bring about good in Josh's life and in my life. And you've got to believe that, you know, God is good and he works out his purposes. And there's another podcast that I go through and I tell you about um, how God has used that to benefit lives of other people as well, that experience that Josh went through. Recently, um, my husband's brother was dying of kidney failure and he came and we brought him here into our home for a few days he died this past christmas eve and it was a hard time but you know there's joy in even something like that 
To me, it blesses my heart that my kids gathered around. They helped to care for him. They had their arms around him. They were singing hymns. They were reading him scripture. And as he died, he felt the love of family. He heard the word of God being read to him and hymns being sung to him. So even in something that was so hard and so difficult, you can find joy. So how do we develop a passion for God's word? First of all, refuse to miss a single day, and it is a determination. The busier you are, the more you need the word. Elizabeth George developed a quiet time calendar where she checked off with little dots or something her time in the word. I've done Navigator's Bible reading plan in the past, and you check off, you know, you're reading through the Bible in a year, but you check off what you've read for the day so you can evaluate your progress. There's lots of Bible reading plans out there. You know, I don't need to tell you there's lots of them. Just find one that you're satisfied with and make sure you do it. Pray, number two, pray as you approach God's word. Pray, like in Psalm 119, Lord, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I know there are times when you've read the word, when I've read the word, and it just seems dry, and you think, what did I just read? What did I get out of this? But it helps to look for something specific as you're reading. Like once I did a search for the heart, your whole heart, and I, I was drawn to wherever scripture talked about the heart or the whole heart. Or wisdom for daily life. If you're struggling with patience or finances or anger or anxiety, look for those things as you're reading the word. And it will speak life to you. It will give you direction. Instead of just rote readings, think, what did I read? Look for a specific topic. And it always helped me to personalize a verse. Like I would say, okay, Lord, I'm going to choose this verse today. Help me personalize this verse. I would insert my name in that verse, and I would pray, Lord, help me to apply this verse to my life in practical ways today. Help me to dwell on this verse, to think on this verse, to meditate on this verse, and to apply this verse. And I'd hang that verse on the refrigerator or in the kitchen so that I would see it often as I was going about my day. Number three, consume God's word in various ways. And a practical insight, I think of busy times in my life. I think of having nursing babies, many little ones getting up during all hours of the night, ministering to my sick dad when he was dying, Josh when he had leukemia. My schedule was not my own. There were consults with doctors. I was back and forth to the hospital. We couldn't do schooling during that time. So come up with an alternative plan. I would listen to Bible CDs at bedtime as I was going to sleep. I would listen when I was traveling in the car up to the hospital where he was at an hour and a half away. If you've got morning sickness and you're just laying on the couch or laying in bed, listen to the word. Turn on the word. Listen to it. While you're fixing your hair, doing your makeup on a busy day, while you're cleaning the house, when you're in the car running errands, you know, I spent hours running errands to raise 14 kids, but I would have a CD on during that time. Um, when you're doing yard work, you can listen with earbuds, or when you're doing laundry, the kids and I would take laundry time to listen to, well, it was DVDs back then, you could do podcasts or whatever now, 
and it made laundry kind of fun because we looked forward to that time to listen to something together. And it, that's not as ideal as concentrated time sitting with the Bible, and that needs to be a standard, but life is unpredictable. So you've got to have a backup plan. It's okay, you know, life never fits in a box perfectly, but there are, more, there are some times that are more stressful than others that you need to have a backup plan and you just need to do the best you can. But get the word into your mind. Nowadays, podcasts, there's so many. There's helpful sermons you can listen to as you go on your way. I always have a CD or something on in the car as I'm doing errands. Even still, it's the first thing I get in my car. I turn it on. My daughters got in the habit of placing mirror or scriptures on their mirror. I know a couple of my daughters that still do this. You go in their house and they've got scriptures written on their mirror when they're doing their hair, their makeup. They can learn those scriptures. It's scriptures that they're working on and learning on. Get index cards. Write a verse on each so you can learn the whole passage. Review it often. Meditate on it. You know, we have so much spare time. Bear thought time, if you think about it. Make use of that time for the Lord. When you catch your mind just kind of wandering, discipline it to think on the truth of the word. Carry an index card with you when you're waiting in line at the post office or at the grocery store. Pull it out and read it and think about it. We've got so much time that we could use if we make best use of that time. Number four. Now, this is where I differ from Elizabeth George. She says... Um, Make the first thing in, the, in your day that you do the Word of God. But I say find what works best for your schedule. It depends on the number of kids you have, what ages they are, the sleep you're getting, if you're caregiving to an elderly parent, if you're homeschooling, your husband's work schedule, if you've got a brand new baby. So evaluate often. But, you know, I used to feel so guilty for not having quiet, my quiet time first thing in the morning till I realized it needs to be my best time. And my best time may not be what your best time is. And my best time changed through the years. It might not be what the preacher's best time is. Find what works for you. You know, a busy mom who's up with nursing babies during the night, busy little ones, Waking up early before they got up never worked for me. It was never my best time. I'd fall asleep reading. I was not alert. I was sluggish. But my best time did change over the years. When I had all littles and my husband worked at night, early evening after I put all the littles down for bed worked great. Then later on, when I had nap time with little guys, even as some of the kids grew older, I'd have them do an early afternoon quiet time while the littles napped. Their quiet time was in the Word and mine too, and early afternoon worked best for me. When I had many kids, all ages, a busy household, nighttime was best. When they were all in bed, I'd get back up and I'd spend time in the Word. And I know that may sound weird, but I thought the evening and the morning are the first, were the first day just find what's best for you. Now, morning is really the best for me because um, I don't have any kids in my home anymore. But all that to say, don't feel guilty like you've got to fit into someone else's mold. Your situation's unique. But God has designed your situation. Give God your best time, your best concentration, your least distractions. That's when you need to do it. 
Number two, developing a passion for prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I remember one of our adopted college kids telling me about his mom. He said she prayed about all the little decisions of life, seemingly insignificant things. But he told me how God showed himself strong in his mom's life and what an impression that made on him watching that. I found with life's busy seasons, it's so crucial to develop the habit of praying without ceasing. Talk to God as you go. Not to say that you don't have specific times to pray and that you go through a prayer list or whatever, but cultivate praying to God as you go about life. Even something simple, like when I duplicate CDs for my customers, when it works and they duplicate well, I'll say, oh God, thank you that all those CDs turned out right. Just you know, develop a habit of talking to God and praising God and giving thanks to God. If you don't know what to pray, I recommend this great little book. It's called Praying the Bible. It's very short. It's only how many pages? 100 pages. But he talks about praying. He starts out in the Psalms, praying the word back to God. For instance, in Psalm 23, I'm just going to read you this one little thing. Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. You're a good shepherd. You've shepherded me all my life. And great shepherd, please shepherd my family today. Guard them from the ways of the world. Guide them into the ways of God. Lead them not into temptations. Deliver them from evil. O great shepherd, I pray for my children. Cause them to be your sheep. May they love you as their shepherd as I do. And Lord, please shepherd me in the decision that's before me about my future. Do I make that move, that change, or not? I also pray for our under-shepherds at church. Please shepherd them as they shepherd us. And he says, as you read through a passage of Scripture, just take a verse, personalize it, and pray what comes to mind. So take that verse, pray it back to God, and apply it to what you're going through today. And, I mean, he goes through a lot more detail. He talks about the Psalms first, but he talks about other passages. His name is Donald Whitney. It's called Praying the Bible. And if you're unsure, if you say, I go to pray and I fall asleep because I can't think of what to pray about, this is a great little book. If you come <clears throat> into the habit of it, it will help you to pray the scriptures back to God. It may help to have a prayer journal. I've done this at times through the years, on and off. I list prayer needs of other people, our prayer needs, missionaries to pray for, needs and answered prayers. We did this as a family for a while, and it was a great resource, great for the kids to see that God does answer prayer. He might not answer it right away. It might be a long season, but God does answer prayer, and it helps you stay focused. Remember to evaluate your life and confess sins that are creeping in. It can be so sneaky, but we must stay pure. You know, it's so easy to become complacent towards sin and think, ah, oh, that's not so bad. You know, there's all these worse sins out there. This isn't so bad. But don't get caught in that trap. You know, we need to be pure. We need to live lives that are holy and committed to the Lord. Ask for guidance in life's decisions, everyday decisions, big decisions definitely, but also little decisions, because life is made up of a multitude of decisions. 
and teach your kids the decisions they make when they're kids do matter. It kind of guides their path. So we want to make sure that we are in the practice of making wise decisions and consulting God and, and asking God before we make decisions. And raising my kids as a new Christian, as a new parent, I would pray about character needs that I saw in my kids. I'd ask for guidance how to handle this sin that my kids are displaying. And I didn't know. I did not know. So I would ask God for practical solutions so many times. I would just cry out to God, Lord, I see this sin pattern developing in my four-year-old. I don't know how to deal with it. Please give me wisdom. And so many times he did. You know, I would be reading the scriptures and something would just stick out. And I thought, oh, this is the answer to what I was seeking to deal with that problem in my kids. And this, I've told you about growing in wisdom before, but this deals with, I think it's 37 kinds of negative behaviors and the corresponding positive behavior. And kids look them up, short answer questions in scripture, and they find out what God's word says about anger and tattling and unkindness and jealousy and mocking and selfishness and arguing, boasting, complaining, lying, teasing, bad words, fearfulness, stealing, cheating. All this is in there. And it came about with me just saying, Lord, how do I deal with all this negative stuff I see in my kids? And I'd go to the word and I would find, I'd use a concordance and I'd find out the verses that dealt with those topics. And then I would write short answer questions and give the kids the scriptures to look up where to find it in scripture so that they would be going to God's word and they would be coming up with the insight. This is how to deal with it. This is what God's word says. This is what I need to do. As I say, it's God's word that makes the changes. It's not just getting up enough determination to say, all right, I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm going to do right today. You've got to use God's word to meditate on, to change your thoughts, which changes your heart, which changes the way you live your life. Number three, God's guidelines for your body. Your body is a temple. It doesn't belong to you. You're not your own. 1 Corinthians 6.19, we're bought with a price. We're not our own. We can't just do what we want to do because we want to do it. We belong to God. Our kids belong to God. They need to know that. I've shared with you in a previous podcast about the, I called it the Kelly board, where we took a picture of our kids and we we looked up scriptures of how to use from your head to your foot for the Lord to help the kids realize their body is not their own. It belongs to the Lord and they need to use it for the Lord. So for us practically, what does this mean? First of all, guard your heart. Proverbs 4 says, for out of it flow the issues of life. How we spend our time is how we spend our life. Evaluate activities that we engage in. Ask yourself, is this helping me pursue the Lord? Or is it distracting me from it? Even good activities, too many good activities can distract from making the best use of your time. Evaluate constantly. You might have to give up a good activity so that you can do God's priority for your life. Number two, we're here to glorify God in our bodies. She points out a little pamphlet, which I read years ago, My Heart, Christ's Home. It's just a little tiny pamphlet, 20-something pages, 30 pages. But it talks about our heart being Christ's home, and it talks about cleaning out the temple. For instance, the study, the reading materials. What are we reading? 
Is it helping us in our walk or is it just fluff? The dining room, what are we feeding ourselves? Now physically, yes, but also spiritually, what are we feeding ourselves with the word of God? Can we do better? Do we need to change what we're doing? The living room, that's where we're meant to meet with Christ. Don't neglect this. How are we spending the majority of our time? Are our priorities in line or are they out of whack? Do we need to adjust them? And I would find myself adjusting them many times. As I say, your situation changes, your kids' ages change, things change. The workroom, what are we producing? Hobbies, ministry, does it matter for eternity? Not to say you should never do anything just for relaxation. That's important, and God wants us to do that. But evaluate, you know, is, is what I'm doing what I need to be doing? The rec room, this is a big one. What are we watching? What are we listening to, participating in? I think we have so many temptations. There's so many movies. There's so many things to look at online. There's screen time. Really need to evaluate this and make sure both you and your kids are managing it well because it's so easy to spend too much time on Facebook. You just kind of get lost in it. Give yourself a limit. Say, all right, I'm going to give 10 minutes to keep up with my friends on Facebook. That's it. Or the movies you're watching, make sure there's something that God would want you watching. You know, if God walked in when you were watching it, would he be pleased? The bedroom, be careful in your purity. Guard your thoughts. Play scripture at night so that the last thing you're thinking about before you go to bed is the word. Sometimes if you're laying there, you can't go to sleep, turn on the word and listen to it. The hall closet, make sure you haven't locked away some secret place in your life, some habit or some secret sin. Evaluate that constantly. Again, we need to discipline our bodies. We aren't meant to please ourselves, but to glorify God with our bodies. Keep a schedule. We'll say more about this later, but we need to have a lifelong pursuit of holiness. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. We need to lay down our lives for our family, for our husbands, for our kids, for others, for people in our church. Mainly, we are bought with a price where to lay down our lives for the Lord, but that plays out in laying down our lives to serve others. We will talk about this more. We're going to pick up with this next week on managing your marriage. But we're going to stop here for today, and we'll pick this up again next week. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, God bless you. We'll see you next week.